Amen. We're in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. Been preaching through the book of Revelation. And uh, a lot of people ask the question, why is there a millennial reign? Why is there a 1,000-year reign of Christ? We're going to answer that and many other things. But we're going to look at some things that the Lord has showed us through the Scriptures about how God is thorough. Let me know God is thorough. And when it's already, you know, when it's said and done, according to chapter 21, there'll be a new heaven and new earth. And everything will be purged and clean and ready and fresh and crisp and new in the new heaven and the new earth. And um, that is part of the reason that Christ will reign for a thousand years on earth. And so we praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles, open them up, please, to the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 20. As I've said in the past through the teaching of this book, it's easy to find. Uh, You find the book of Jude. Uh, Revelation is between the book of Jude and your eternal future. The 20th chapter of Revelation, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin reading with verse 5 of this chapter. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, one thing that we need to see here, and it goes without saying, if there's a first resurrection, then there's a second. Pretty, Pretty simple. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, On such the second death had no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Right there I want to say, why? You had him locked up, now you're letting him out. And we're going to look at why he's let out again. And shall go out, the devil will, to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I want to use for a subject this morning the last test. The last test. Did you know you're living a test right now? We're all being tested. And because you received Jesus Christ into your life and you started a walk with Jesus and a new life with Jesus, congratulations, you passed the test. There'll be tests along the way as believers, but the greatest test of all is that we allow our heart to be changed by the power of Almighty God. In the 19th chapter, Jesus returns to earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. He conquers the beast and the false prophet. And when he conquers the beast and the false prophet, he throws them in verse 20 of chapter 19 into the lake of fire. They're thrown alive into the fire of brimstone, the lake of fire. The first order of business 
when Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom on earth is to lock the devil up. Amen? That's pretty good business. Lock the devil up. You may be seated. It says in verse 1, 2, and 3 in chapter 20 that a strong angel came down, took a, had a key to the bottomless pit, took a great chain and wrapped it around dragon, the old serpent, the devil, and Satan and bound him a thousand years and put him in a bottomless pit and shut him up, put a seal upon him and that he should deceive the nations no more until a thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. You know, you, you look at this and, you know, just the casual reader of the Bible will ask the question, why? Why is there a thousand year reign of Christ and why is the devil going to be let out once he's locked up? Well, there's several things we can learn from this, but it's all about God loving people. You say, what do you mean God loving people? He lets the devil out. Yeah, because God loves people and God wants people to be changed so they can live forever with him in heaven. And people have to be changed before they can be go into heaven, before they can live with God Almighty. They have to be changed. They can't just, you know, God just don't say, come on in as you are. We must be changed by the power of God. And so we look at this, and the devil is bound for a thousand years. And you say, how long is a thousand years? A long time, yeah. It's so long, it's a thousand years. We need to understand that when the Bible says it's a thousand years, it's a thousand years. Hello? You know, Bible translators will say, well, it just means a long time. Well, if it just means a long time, six times in this chapter 20, God was very clear it was a thousand years. Amen. I wasn't extremely bright in mathematics, but I know a thousand is a thousand. Amen. Now, I want you to notice in verse 5, the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the first resurrection. The first resurrection is like the second coming of Jesus Christ in twofold, in two phases. The second coming of Jesus Christ is in two phases. He first comes to the clouds, calls the church up into the air to meet him in the air. It's called the rapture of the church. It's called Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's your resurrection. And we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the first part of the first resurrection. Uh, the second coming is in two folds, as I said. First for his church, second to the earth. He comes to earth to set up a kingdom for a thousand years in, on the planet as king of kings and lord of lords. So he comes the first time. His first coming is to the clouds. He calls us up to meet him in the air. He comes back again to the earth, sets up a kingdom on earth as king of kings and lord of lords. That is the second coming of Christ in two phases. The resurrection also is in two phases. And that is, we're talking about the resurrection of the first resurrection. The first phase is the church being raptured, caught up. The dead in Christ being resurrected, given brand new bodies. 
The second phase is when Jesus Christ comes to earth, he brings with him the church, he brings with him the holy angels, he brings with him the Old Testament saints, he brings with him the martyred great tribulation saints, he brings all them with him to planet earth, and at that juncture there is a Another phase of the resurrection, Jesus Christ will give the Old Testament saints a new body. He'll give those that died during the Great Tribulation a new body. He will give, uh, he will give um, uh, all them a new body when he comes to bring his judgment to earth. Notice Matthew 25, verse 31, 32. For the Lord, him, it says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him will be gathered all the nations. So at that time, there'll be another resurrection. It'll be the resurrection of the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. The church will already have their glorified body, already experience the resurrection. And the second phase of the first resurrection is when he raises people from the dead when he comes to planet Earth. He separates the nations, the sheep from the goats. He says to those that are obedient to him, well done, that good and faithful service. He allows them to go into the, the blessings of the Lord. But the, the goats on his left hand are rejected, and many of them are cast into the lake of fire. Those who treat, treat um, uh, Israel goodly, kindly, uh, compassionately, many of those, even though they don't have born-again lives, they will be allowed to stay on the earth because, hey, Jesus is the king. He can choose who gets to stay and who doesn't. And so he allows a few people that haven't been born again to stay on the earth because they were good to Israel. They were, you know, they, they weren't born again, but they were decent people, and Jesus Christ allows them to live. You need to understand, too, that during the thousand-year reign, when Jesus Christ comes in the great tribulation, there'll be several, I don't know how many, maybe a million, maybe two million people that survived the great tribulation. And they'll survive it in a body like we have right now. And they will be permitted to live during that thousand year reign. Technology will expand, medicine will be, uh, how many know when you got King of Kings and Lord of Lords sitting on the throne, medicine will be expanded. Knowledge will be expanded. There'll be a lot of great breakthroughs in technology and people will live much longer and they won't die. Death will, will slow down to a snail's crawl. Death will be almost obsolete during the thousand year reign. Jesus Christ will sit on the throne, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords over earth and King David will sit on the throne over Israel. For a thousand years, we'll see peace We'll see goodness. The animals will be so at peace with each other, they won't kill each other. Hello? The geographical terrain of the earth will be so changed that I believe the land masses will join back together like pre-flood, like pre-Babel Tower. And the continents will be brought back together, one land mass, one ocean mass, and Jerusalem will be elevated high above everything on planet Earth, and Ezekiel's temple will be there, and Jerusalem will be elevated above every city on planet Earth. King Jesus will rule and reign for that thousand years. There'll be no devil. Hello? 
Who was it? Flip Wilson that used to say the devil made me do, made me do it? Some of you don't know who Flip Wilson was, but he was a comedian. He said, the devil made me do it. Well, you, nobody will be able to say that in the thousand-year reign because the devil's going to be bound for a thousand years. So if anybody sins, it won't be because the devil made them do it. It'll be because their unregenerated heart made them do it. And so when Jesus Christ comes, there'll be people who have babies during the thousand-year reign. The, there'll be a massive population explosion during the thousand-year reign in the millennium. There'll be great advances in medicine, technology. It'll be much like it is today, only perfect without a Congress or a House of Representatives or without all the nonsense, we, without any embezzlements or being paid off. Jesus, King Jesus will use us as a church to rule and reign on the earth. He'll also use the Old Testament saints, I think, to govern Israel, to govern Jerusalem. And so we'll rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. Sin will slow down, but it won't be eradicated. Jesus Christ will force his hand, as the scripture says, he'll come and rule the world with a rod of iron. In other words, Jesus Christ is going to come back in his goodness, in his purity, but he's going to rule the planet with righteousness, with holiness. Amen? And so the millennial reign is a time for a final test. People will still live on the planet in earthly bodies like uh, we have today, and they will be at a place where there's no devil. He's in, the, he's in the bottomless pit. The earth is, there's no starvation. There's, death is slowed down to nothing. Sickness is eradicated. Starvation is done away with. The earth is in utopia. The deserts are blooming. The earth is incredible. Jesus is ruling. The lamb will lay down by the, 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 the ox or the wolf by the ox. The child will play with a serpent. The animal kingdom will be at total peace, peace in their life, and the earth will be incredible. The, the nations will not know war any longer. They'll not train for war. They'll beat their, their weapons of war into plowshares. Crops will grow. Massive agri agriculture will take place. Life beautiful like pre-flood. When I say pre-flood, I'm not saying like the sins of Noah's day. I'm not talking about their sins. I'm talking about the pre-flood like before the judgment came in the flood. I'm talking about animals were at peace with each other. How else would have Noah got them in the ark? And how the atmosphere was and how the oxygen level was much higher and people grew bigger. They lived longer. Uh, the earth was blooming and blossoming. That's what I mean by pre-flood, uh, not their sin. It'll be like a garden of Eden. Ezekiel said that the Eden will return to earth during this time frame where Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. So let's, let's look at this just for a minute because I'm getting ready to set off a Jesus explosion in this place. I'm getting ready to really rock your world, especially if you don't know Jesus Christ. We ask the question, why the millennial reign? And the millennial reign of Christ is, to, is the final test for planet Earth. It's the final test. 
It is to weed out the, the, the chaff from the wheat. It's to weed out the, the tares from the wheat. It is to weed out the bad hearts and the good hearts. It is to be able to produce a world that is totally sold out to Jesus Christ. Hello. Think about this. You can't say the devil made me do it in the millennium because the devil's in the pit. You can't say, well, I, I was raised in a low-income poverty situation. No, everybody will be blessed in the millennial reign. You can't blame it on other people because the world will be a utopia. It will be a Garden of Eden. It will be uh, industrial. You'll live to be older. People will live to be a 1,000 years old. And Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning for a 1,000 years to show us that man's heart is deceitful above all things. Those that live here on planet Earth, everything's perfect, but they still sinned. Look at the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, everything was perfect. Hello. Adam was married to the most gorgeous, beautiful woman in the world. The only one, but the most beautiful, gorgeous woman in the world. Adam had no mother-in-law. Woo! The world was beautiful. I know you hate them mother-in-law jokes, but we get all the women in here, you know. But, but uh, the, the Garden of Eden was gorgeous. God gave them one rule. God gave Adam and Eve one rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was one rule. And if you were to ask Adam and Eve, what do you get to do? Well, they get to eat of all the trees. There were probably hundreds of thousands of trees. They could do anything they wanted to do. Adam could go skiing across the lake tied to a rhinoceros. Adam could do anything he wanted to do. He was super strong. No sickness, no disease. His wife was super gorgeous. No sickness, no disease. The world was perfect for him. And God only gave Adam and Eve one rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so if you went to Eve or Adam and said, you know, you got it made here. Man, you, you know, this is a beautiful garden. It's a gorgeous place. No doubt Adam and Eve both alike would say, yeah, but... Uh, that tree over there, God's a bad God because he won't let us eat of that tree. See, man by nature in his heart wants to defy the rules. I know. I watch my grandson, my granddaughters. Man by nature in his heart wants to defy the rules. Amen? So Adam and Eve fell. They did what God told them not to do. Why? Because their hearts were defiled by Lucifer, by the devil. And because they sinned, they received an Adamic nature. And people are born lying. They're born sinning. Now, I don't mean babies. When babies die, they go to heaven. Little babies go to heaven. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Babies go to heaven. But they learn early. I mean, how I many will agree that babies learn to lie early? They, they learn to get their way early. They learn to fight over the baby rattler with another baby. Amen? 
I got tickled. I got little Finley up in my lap. I was holding her, Misty's little girl, my granddaughter, and I'm holding her. And little Jojo comes up and because Papa was holding another baby. It was just about fifth city time. Where'd they learn that? They learned that from Papa. Where do you think they learned that? But anyway. But the the millennial reign is a time for the final test to make sure that everybody that goes to heaven is worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everyone that goes to heaven has been changed. Their heart has been changed. Hello? A thousand years. The devil's locked up for a thousand years. It didn't change the devil, did it? He went right back to his deviling. Amen? And the thousand years didn't change the unconverted people who lived on the earth because they rebel and they turn against God at the end. Satan is loosed and Satan gathers together an army to come against Jesus Christ. My question, you know, I don't have a problem believing this Bible. Now, sometimes I have some trouble behaving it, but I don't have no problem believing this Bible. I don't have no problem believing whatever God does. He did it. He can and he will. My problem sometimes is I look at people and I can't believe how biblical ignorant they can be. I look at people and I don't understand why. You know, you got, the Bible says as, as numerous as the sands of the sea, they, after that thousand year reign, people got together, listened to the devil, went back with the devil. My question is, why? Why in the world? How could there be a multitude of people come against God after the millennial reign? Well, I, I want to share something with you as we, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I heard someone tell me one time, well, you know, I know my heart. No, you don't. No one knows their heart. I hear people say, well, I, 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 they've got a good heart. No, they don't. Good in your standards, but unless we've been received a heart transplant by the born again experience of God, we don't have a good heart. Hello? Are you listening to me? Well, people say, well, I was just born hot headed. Well, you weren't born again hot headed. People say, well, I was just born stubborn and proud. Well, you weren't born again stubborn and proud. Well, I was just, you know, I was just born greedy and rebellious. Well, you wasn't born again greedy and rebellious. Hello? Everybody must be born again. That's what the scripture says in John chapter 3. Bad hearts must be removed before God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Bad hearts must be removed. Let me share something with you. How many know what a PK is? Anybody know what a PK is? Preacher's kid. Anybody know what a MK is? Missionary's kid. Amen? A PK, well, I'm getting the cart before the horse, but I know PKs. 
Because I've had seven of them. There's way too many people that were raised in church, grew up in church, heard the preaching in the church, did the singing, went to the Sunday school, but their hearts have never been changed. The millennial reign is to weed out the bad hearts. Tested. Let me, let me just share these things I jotted down. Tested in the Garden of Delight, the Garden of Eden. Man broke through the only prohibition laid on him. The tree of knowledge and good and evil. Tested under consciousness or the conscience. Corruption and violence filled the earth and the world had to be destroyed by Noah's flood. It was ruled by conscience. But yet corruption and violence filled the earth and the world was destroyed through a flood. Tested under restraining influence of di divinely appointed government. Yet under divinely appointed government, man fell into idolatry and turned away from his creator. That's the book of Judges. God gave him Judges. Yet under perfect appointed government, they still turned to idolatry. Tested under law. Tested under law. And man cast off his restraints and crucified the Lord of glory. Tested under grace. We see that today. Tested under grace. And man has shown himself utterly unable to appreciate such mercy and has rejected the only means of being saved. Tested under personal reign of Jesus Christ. Tested under the personal reign of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're talking about the millennium. After 1,000 years of unparalleled righteousness and peace, Man will be ready to listen once again to the voice of the devil. Think about that. Let's go back to PK. You know why my kids went to church? Because Judy and I made them go. We made them go. Don't misunderstand me. If you got children, you ought to make them go. Amen. Say, well, I'll let them decide. Will you let them decide after they're old enough to decide? They don't have a good decider yet when they're little. But we made them go, PKs. When you make PKs go to church, preacher's kids, they're living under the restraints of their parents. Unless God gets a hold of their heart and convicts them of the sin. And they have a genuine born-again experience. They will reject church in the end because they have a bad heart. Everybody has a bad heart until they receive a heart transplant from Jesus Christ. You see, here's the deal. We have a millennial reign for the final test. God's given them a final test. Following Jesus must be a choice. Following Jesus must be a choice. Something else. Not only following Jesus must be a choice, but living for God must be a choice. 
And when I say living for God, I don't mean you turn over a new leaf and, well, I've lived for God. I, I lived for God for three months. What, do you, what, do you, what more do you want? Well, Jesus wants you to live for God for the rest of your life. Living for God should be a choice. And when you choose to live for God, it should be a life choice. A life choice. And living for God is a life choice. If you don't choose to live for God, you might get in and serve God for six months, a year, a couple of years, then fall out. You've not, you've not chosen to live for God with your life. Living for God is a choice. Following Jesus is a choice. And the reason for the millennial reign is to make everybody make a choice. See, in the millennial, the, there will be the gospel preached. During the thousand years, they'll be preaching about that man sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. They'll be preaching about that King of kings and Lord of lords. During the millennium, they'll be preaching and they'll be telling people, you need to get saved. People will be born in that thousand years that never knew God. They're born in bodies like we have today. Now, we as a church, we're in glorified bodies at this stage. But there'll be people that grow up, and they grow up, and they, they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many of them only behave themselves because King Jesus makes them. You know, I don't, I don't serve Jesus because he makes me. I serve Jesus because he changed me. And I love him. And he loves me. But I don't serve Jesus because he makes me. And that's the bad part with preachers today. They've built their whole ministry on making people do things. The church isn't here to make you do anything. The church is here to comfort you, excite you, exhort you, treat, uh, train you, teach you into a deeper walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for, to share the love of Jesus Christ. We're not here to make you do anything. We're here to give you the ability to be able to do what God wants you to do, give you the liberty and the grace and the power and to understand the goodness of the Lord. But people in the millennium, because Jesus rules with a rod of iron. People will be born, grow up in the millennium. The devil will be bound for a thousand years. But you know what? They'll still have that lust of the mind. People will. People will still have that lust of the flesh. People will still have that, that greed. People will still have that pride. People will still have that mischievous bone in their soul. Uh, people will still have that sin uh, 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 nature about them. Why? Because they got a bad heart. And that explains why PKs many times leave and go back out into the world because they have a bad heart. They were governed by their parents or by the church. But then when they were set free as an adult, they chose not to follow Jesus. They chose not to live for Jesus Christ. The desire for every parent in here is that our children be changed, that they be born again, that they give their hearts to Jesus Christ. And that's the desire of Jesus in the millennium. But not everybody will be born again in the millennium. 
And so the devil will be set free once again for the final test. And the final test is to find out who has a bad heart and who has a good heart. Notice it says in Revelation 20, uh, verse 8 or verse 7, And when the thousand years were expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners, that's uh, northeast, south, and west of the earth, Gog and Magog, that's probably not the Gog and Magog of the Battle of Russia, that's probably an extension of that, to gather them together to battle and the number of whom was the sands of the sea. My question is, why? How could there be so many that would turn against Christ, knowing how beautiful it was, knowing, you know, they experienced this utopia. They experienced this peace on earth. And the question is, why? Why would they go follow Satan? I'll tell you why. They have a bad heart. The heart has to be changed. And until the heart is changed, no one goes to heaven. Did you hear what I'm saying? Until the heart is changed, no one goes to heaven. Bad hearts go to hell. Good hearts go to heaven. Bad hearts are unregenerated hearts that don't know Jesus Christ, that doesn't follow Jesus Christ. And good hearts are those that have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, born again by the Spirit of God. Good hearts that's been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good hearts. The bad hearts are those that says, no, I won't follow Jesus. I will not live for God. Sin's too attractive to me. I want to live in the pleasures of sin. I want to do my thing. No, I will not live for God. That's a bad heart. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You send yourself to hell if you go there because you've got a bad heart. You don't want to serve God because you want to do your thing. You don't want to honor God because you've got a bad heart. And the only way you're going to go to heaven is to get your heart changed. And you're not going to get your heart changed till God tugs on your heart. God squeeze your heart. God convicts your soul. God draws you to his son, Jesus Christ. And you willingly choose Jesus Christ as your savior and choose him to follow him. Choose Jesus, follow him. That brings eternal life. Not something you do, but responding to what Christ has done for you. Amen. Uh, I'll show you something. We have people today that have no, they have no respect for their, their mother. Now, you say, but you don't know my mother. I don't know your mother, but I didn't change your diapers. You see, now, don't misunderstand me. There are exceptions. But children get disrespectful of their mother because they don't remember the hand that fed them, the breast that nursed them, cleaned them, nursed them, loved them. Even when they were bad, loved them. Yet people get older and they're hateful to their parents. Hateful to their mother, hateful to their father, 
Well, I can't change what they've done in their past, but it's still your father and it's still your mother. Hello? People treat Jesus that way too. They, they don't understand how good Jesus Christ has been to them. They don't understand how many things that Jesus Christ has, has avoided in their life. And in this, in this millennium, no war, no hunger, no disease, no death, plagues. Yet their heart is deceitful above all things. They have bad hearts. God has to weed out the bad. And you know what he did? He gave them a thousand years. God gave them bad hearts a thousand years. Now some of them were born during the thousand year span, but God gave them a thousand years. He gave them a perfect world. Jesus Christ gives them perfect, beautiful, no war, no disease, no defilement, perfect world. All the continents are together. It's, it's like the city of, like the like, uh, uh, Garden of Eden. And God gives them everything, gives them a thousand years to do something about their bad heart. And yet, they don't do anything about their bad heart. So God releases the devil out of the bottomless pit. And the devil goes out. He does his devil whispering lies. He converts nations, multitudes of people to follow him and to reject the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? I keep asking my question. I keep asking myself that question. Why? How in the world could anybody be that so, uh, what's the word for it, insane that they would refuse to follow their God? Well, let me ask you a question. If you've never been saved, if you're not following Jesus Christ, what's your excuse? You need a good heart. Anything that forces you to follow Jesus Christ is not a good heart. Hello? We choose to follow Jesus Christ. We choose Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And my question to you right now is, are you, have you passed the test? Did you say, I'll, I'll live for Jesus Christ, but you're not living for Jesus. You know you're not living for Jesus. There's some people in this room right now, you know you're not living for Jesus Christ. You're living for your job. You're living for your things. You're living for pleasure. You know you're not living for Jesus Christ. You know that. Preacher, I resent that. No, you're living that. There's, I think there's people in this room right now, and I don't want to be hateful, but I... I you understand what I'm saying? You know you're not living for Jesus Christ. You know you're not. Oh, bless God, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. No, you know you're not living for Jesus Christ. In your heart, you know that there's more priorities than Jesus in your life. You know there's bigger things in your life than Jesus. You've not chose Jesus. You're not following Jesus. So don't I get something for coming to church? Yeah, you get this. Amen. You know. And if you're not following Jesus Christ, if you're allowing the world to lead you around like a, a hog ring in your nose, if you're allowing the world to lead you around in sin and you're allowing, you, you've not put Jesus at the top 
uh, priority in your life, you're not following Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, don't, don't take it from me. Take it from Jeremiah. You've got a bad heart. Yeah, but the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, that's the problem. He does know your heart. Hello? You know, that's, that's the craziest thing when I hear people say, well, the Lord, he knows my heart. So what? I smoke a little dope and take a few drugs and cuss a little bit, but the Lord, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah. He knows your heart is full of foolishness. Hello? He knows your heart is deceived and desperately wicked. He knows your heart has been deceived by Satan. Amen? That brings me to the close of the message. When they went against, they went against Jesus Christ, these people with a bad heart. The Bible says they can pass, verse 9, they can pass the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and the fire came out of God out of heaven and devoured them. Fire came from God out of heaven and devoured them. We're going to talk about that next Sunday night. The fire that came out of heaven and devoured them and destroyed them. I think it's interesting. You've got a little battle of Gog and Magog, the deception of Lucifer, the devil. And then God just sums it up. Yep, I sent fire out of heaven and took care of that. You know, I think God is saying at this juncture, enough's enough. Z enough's enough. You proved you got a bad heart. Enough's enough. You're done. And so once he does the final fire upon the earth after the attack of Lucifer, when I say fire, I'm talking about on mankind, when God does the last judgment upon earth on mankind, that only leaves righteous people left. All the rest of them are dead, awaiting the great white throne judgment. And no Christian will ever be at the great white throne judgment. If you're there, you're not a Christian. Christians won't be at the great white throne judgment. They may see it from a distance, but they won't stand at the great white throne judgment. Only lost people. Those who die the second death, those who are in part of the last or the second resurrection, they will face God. And notice it says that God just destroys them. He just, enough's enough. And then they enter into the great white throne judgment. I, I'm going to say a few things, and we'll pick up next Sunday night on the rest of this, because I, I want you to see the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is only for lost people. The great white throne judgment is only for people with bad hearts. All the other people, well, as the church, we'll have our glorified body in the rapture. We'll sit before the judgment seat of Christ after the rapture of the church. When Jesus Christ comes to earth, raises the Old Testament saints and great tribulation saints and gives them body, they'll also have new bodies. It's those who die with a bad heart will be in hell. Their bodies will be in the sea, in the earth, in the grave. And only those that have bad hearts will be raised from the dead and judged at the great white throne judgment. Only bad hearts. 
Christians will not be at the great white throne judgment. Only people lost. The great white throne judgment is for the lost. And that's the place I want to avoid. There's something about the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment has no lawyers. The great white throne judgment has no jurors. The great white throne judgment has no plea, no uh, bail, no um, termination, getting out of jail. The great, the great white throne judgment is final. The judge is Jesus. Jesus will judge on the great white throne. There'll be no devil because he's in the lake of fire. There'll be no beast or false prophet, only they'll be presented at the great white throne judgment in their earthly bodies during the great tribulation to be judged. But there'll be no attorney. There'll be no, there'll not even be a prosecuting attorney. You're, you're not going to the throne to plead your case. You're going to the throne for God to decide your fate. And your fate's already been decided. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment is to decide the degree of punishment that you will suffer forever. And it's only to the lost. Think about that. There'll be no place to hide. The Bible says heaven and earth flees away. It has fled away. No place to hide. You'll not go to God and say, yeah, but God, no, there won't be no back talk. You'll stand before God on judgment day because you've got a bad heart. You said no to Jesus Christ. You rejected to follow Jesus Christ. And one day you'll stand before God at the great white throne judgment. You may feel you're a good person because you paid your debts. You may feel you're a good person because you never murdered anyone. You may feel you're a good person because you never deceived anyone. You may feel you're a good person because you raised a good family and you're a good person, but you don't know your heart. God knows your heart. And the evil things you think in your mind are just as bad as you did them because in your heart, your heart is deceitful. The truth is, unless you get a born-again heart, unless you get a changed heart, unless you get born again, you can't, cannot go to heaven. Only good hearts go to heaven. And those good hearts are defined as regenerated by the Spirit of God. Defined as believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Defined as being redeemed and purchased by the blood and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those good hearts are not defined as going to church. Those good hearts are not defined as raising a good family. Those good hearts are not defined as being a good employee at work. Those good hearts are not defined as you give money to the church. Those good hearts are defined as you said yes and chose Jesus Christ. You follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. Those good hearts are determined by what Jesus Christ does in your heart. Unless Jesus does that in your heart, you're not going to heaven. What is it that makes you think those bad things at night when you're getting ready to go to bed? 
What is it those bad things or those bad thoughts you have in your heart towards someone else or those evil things that you say to other people? Not just a bad head, it's a bad heart. A bad heart. Now, most of my siblings, most of my siblings, I think, have turned to Christ over the years. But I've got a couple of siblings I'm not sure about. That bothers me. The greatest gift you could give to your family, the greatest gift you could give to your children as a father or mother, the greatest gift you can give to your grandchildren, grandma and grandpa, the greatest gift that you can give to your children is that your children know where you are when you die. The greatest gift that you could ever give to your loved ones is that they know you have a good heart. Not a good heart in the sense you gave them candy or made a really good mean apple pie, but a good heart that you have given your heart to Jesus Christ. You're saved. You're born again, child of God. That's the greatest thing you can give. The greatest thing I can give my children is that when I'm gone, I won't be near as dumb as I am today. I'll be, I'll be highly intelligent once I'm gone. I'll be super duper spiritual once I'm gone. Ta-da! But now that's not much. But when dad's gone, the kids will go, oh. See, you say, well, you're bragging on it. No, Jesus Christ said they whitewashed the sepulchers of the prophets. But they stoned them to death. Then they put them in a nice little pad, a grave, and they whitewashed the stones. Oh, they were such a good prophet. They were so wonderful. They whitewashed the stones and the, the grave, the sepulcher. They were so special. And Grandpappy stoned him to death. Why? Because Grandpappy had a bad heart. So I just want to say to everybody in this room, the greatest thing you could ever give your children or your loved ones or your parents is the fact that if something were to happen to you physically on earth today, they would know that you're in heaven. They don't have to make up things. You know, too many times people die and the family's making up things. Well, bless God, he's playing golf in the high sky. Who? Hold it one. Bless God, he can dribble a ball down, make the basket. He's fishing in the river of life. Oh, you know how he liked to fish. He's driving that hot rod down Golden Avenue. You know how he liked to drive them old fast cars. Grandma's up in heaven doing her knitting. We make up things because we're not sure they're there in heaven. Hello? I think, you know, knitting has very little to do with heaven. I believe golfing has little to do with heaven. Amen? I know if I, I were God, and you better be glad I'm not God, but if I were God and I catch someone out there golfing on Sunday, those golf clubs would make an, an, an incredible lightning rod. Amen? Like the preacher that broke loose snuck out, told everybody he had a cold and need to 
have a day of rest. He didn't want to spread the germs, so he took church off. And he snuck down to the lake. He's catching crappie. He's bringing them in. Man, he's catching fish. And uh, the angel said to the other angel, look at there, he's having a blast. And the other angel said to the other angel, no, he ain't. He can't tell nobody. I just want you to know that I have children that I, you know, some of my children, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that if something happened to them, they'd be in heaven. I have children that I have no doubt they're in if something were to happen to them, they'd go to heaven. Josh being one and Galen being another and, and Charity being another. But I, I've got some children that I have, I don't have that assurity that something were to happen to them. Because my question is, did they go to church because mom and dad made them? Did they obey God because mom and dad was a higher power? Or now that they've got older, is their bad heart starting to reflect because they never got changed? I'm just sharing my heart today. Just sharing my heart. Everybody has to have their heart changed. Nobody goes to heaven without a changed heart. Everybody has to have a good heart. And that's what the millennial reign's all about, sorting out the bad hearts from the good hearts, making sure the wheat and the chaff is separated, making sure that the tares and the wheat are separated, making sure that nobody enters into heaven with defilement. And we're going to see that in Revelation chapter 21. Everything is pure. Everything's clean. Everything's made beautiful. Everything's presented for it. Why? Because all the bad hearts have been removed. And they'll stand before the great white throne judgment. They'll be judged and they'll be cast in the lake of fire. And that is their final unresting place. That will be their final place of punishment. All because they chose to not follow Jesus. They chose, they, they, they actually failed the test. They didn't pass the test. I'm going to tell you something else. When the rapture takes place, there's going to be a lot of people fail the test. They're going to say, what happened? I didn't get to go. Why? Because you failed the test. Your heart was bad. You wasn't ready. You were not following. You were not part of the church. You failed the test. When the rapture takes place, I intend to pass the test. And that test is I'm in Christ. And I'm going to be caught up to meet the Lord. I'm part of the bride of Christ. That's the test. And testings all through the Bible. Testings all through the Bible. And the final great test is the millennium. He gives them a thousand years to get it together. He gives them a thousand years to live for him. He even shows them how beautiful it is to live for him, Jesus does. Yet after a thousand years, they still rebel. 
because they got a bad heart. And all bad hearts go to hell. All bad hearts will hear the words, whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. We're going to pick up the rest of that next Sunday night, and we're going to get into the great white throne judgment. We're going to open up the books. We're going to look at some of them books. We're going to look at the new heaven, new earth. Did you know that at the judgment, the great white throne judgment, is the place where Peter said in 2 Peter that the earth shall melt with fervent heat. That's the place. That's, that's the scripture. That's the place. The earth will melt with fervent heat at that place, at the great white throne judgment. Heaven and earth will pass away, flee away. At that juncture is when the earth will dissolve. The earth will melt with fervent heat, according to 2 Peter. And according to the fourth chapter of Jeremiah, that's when the earth will be uninhabitable and totally destroyed. That is the fire that comes out of heaven at the end of the millennium, at the end of Gog and Magog, the battle. That is the place when Jesus Christ melts the earth, judges all them at the great white throne, judgment the lost, casts them in the lake of fire, and at that juncture is where a new heaven and a new earth begins. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that next Sunday night. Say, I won't be here. Too bad. I think I'd try to be here if I could. Or, of course, it'd be on YouTube. You ever wondered what Peter was talking about? The earth would melt with fervent heat. When's that going to happen? It's going to happen at the great white throne judgment. Because we're going to be suspended in the presence of God. How long? I don't know. But the earth won't be here. And heaven won't be here. Everything's going to be rolled up, gone, dissolved. We're just going to be standing suspended in the presence of ju the judge. I'm not about the lost. I'm not talking about the Christian. The Christian will be with Jesus. Whereat I don't know at that juncture, but we'll be suspended before there's a new heaven and a new earth. Beautiful. Beautiful. Not that they're being judged, but beautiful that God preserves and takes care of us. Amen. Stand with me. We'll give an invitation. My question to you would be, do you have a good heart? Say, so, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does, but you don't. God knows your heart, but you don't. Say, so, well, my, my sister has a good heart. My wife has a good heart. Well, in your standard, that's true. But God knows whether they have a good heart or not. And we got to know that we've got that good heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you have that good heart that only Jesus Christ can put in you? Are you ready? Or are you facing the great white throne judgment? Only lost will be there. Only the lost will be there. Altars open, you come.